life comes at you hard, and everyone thinks that they have a better understanding of what you want than you. I'm your host, Zena Koda. Join me on the journey to understand how we make it as ladies in this jungle. I'm Lady-ish. Hey there. How you doing? You feeling okay? <laughs> I don't really know if I could say that I am. It's Zena. Thank you for listening to the Lady-ish podcast. I've been like on a bit of hiatus, to be honest. Um, uh, where to begin? Throughout this time, I've had such a difficult um, ordeal just kind of getting my life together and figuring out myself creatively. I've never in my life experienced such a creative block for a number of reasons. Like, yeah, I moved. Yeah, I started a new profession in a completely different arena. Um, yeah, the pandemic, social unrest, the election coming up, all of these things have kind of hit a lot of different points for me. But I don't know, man. <laughs> my mind, my creativity just hasn't been there in the way that it used to be there very easily. And I think it's like a myriad of factors, right? The place that I live used to be just kind of a stop on the way for me. And, you know, I always was yearning a lot of comfort in my home. These days, <laughs> I cannot wait to get the fuck out of this home. And I know you can understand if you're, you know, obviously in extreme lockdown as well. And I'm, I'm sure most of us are because that's exactly what's happening globally <laughs> and around the world. And um, yeah, I mean, you ever just have like a, like a house of cards kind of like come down on you at once? And I'm, I mean, that's literally all of us right now. And the mental ramifications of what's been going on are pretty deep, but um, there's about three main areas that have really been killing me, and I just want to go over them with you because I'm wondering if you're going through the same thing. Number one, I was planning a wedding, um, a wedding that was supposed to happen this October, but I, you know, obviously very early on in the pandemic recognized that I had to move to at some point early next year, so I was lucky enough to move it to March. Now, planning a wedding fucking sucks <laughs> across the board, like, if it's not the emotional damage of just kind of getting the planning together, it's literally the step-by-step -step excruciating um, checks and balances of fucking everything. I hired an amazing planner and all these people, but I got to say, I don't know how anybody gets married on a budget because that shit is not cheap. And I do not have time to be looking at fucking napkins and things on the table and all that bullshit. I just want to have this goddamn wedding and get it over with in some ways. <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, yeah, all the planning, all of also like, and this is super petty of me, super petty of me, but I'm going to do it and say it anyway. All of my really good friends got married years ago. Like, maybe when I was in my early 30s, late 20s, right? I put so much effort into their bachelorette parties, um, you know, three-day extravagant affairs and male strippers and all this crazy shit. I'm not going to get any of that. <laughs> Leave it to me to A, get married late as fuck, be like, you know, put all that effort in when I was younger. And now I'm not going to get any of that. And as stupid and petty as it sounds, I'm actually like mildly resentful. <laughs> I'm not going to get, you know, all the experiences of doing like typical corny wedding shit. And like, not that it really matters, but everybody's allowed their one petty thing for the pandemic. And that's definitely mine. Like there wasn't a need for it, but 
I would have loved to have some male strippers, okay? <laughs> I'll make it work at some point um, after the pandemic. But yeah, so that's number one. And number two, you know, actually connected to the wedding and all of that shit, is that I think that this situation has really taken a toll on my personal integrity and in my love life in some ways. Not that me and uh, my dude don't get along and that we don't try to uh, make things work out no matter what. Like, I feel like we are really resilient and we bounce back. But the hardest part is like, we both have kind of lost our personal identities sitting in this house for five months, right? No matter how much you lay out activities outdoors and try to keep yourself busy and mentally prepare yourself through exercise and other things like, I don't know. There's just nothing sexy about being at home for the majority of five months, right? And everything's super stressful, whether it's job, money, um, and even if you do have a job, just the crazy nuance of having a job and having to fucking make sure that you keep it. You know what I mean? <laughs> this isn't the time to be slacking on for sure, but like all of these things take a toll on your relationship. And then I think about wow, what is it like to be single right now? And um, I can't even fathom that situation. So I'm not going to get deep into that. But also, like, it would be nice to have a lot of freedom and creative time. I'd probably be going fucking nuts and bought the most expensive vibrator out there by now. But instead, I'm just living with the madness and a penis that speaks. <laughs> That's what happens? Well, also, that's a little bit of a forewarning. I'm speaking to Amy Chan in, um, you know, in this podcast, and I interviewed Amy months ago when I was still living in New York City. Um, uh, she's basically a breakup expert, but created this awesome program called Renew Breakup Bootcamp, and it made me think about, like, when I was single and trying to recuperate and, like, just, you know, mending a broken heart, um, how much growth you can get from renewing your heart. And um, the concept of a boot camp is really fucking cool. So excited for you to check that out in a little bit. I was hesitant, to be honest, to put it out because so much has changed over the last few months. But Amy's story is so inspiring. I love that she had a you know pretty set career that she ditched to really follow her heart. And I think that's a lesson we can all take away at this point because, listen, <laughs> it's now or never, right? If the vid didn't take you away, well it might be time to reconsider exactly what you're doing. Okay, I digress. But the third part of it all is really kind of a loss of that inspiration. And I've talked about this before, like all the assholes that I fucking hated being around when I was in New York City, like put in the headphones and never speak to them, kind of like really minimal communication. I miss those kind of interactions right now. It honestly has been a reason why it's hard for me to talk because I'm such a person who thrives off of, off of um, personal interaction that it's been hard for me to formulate really cohesive and meaningful thoughts without having those kind of interactions. So the next time, um, you know, hopefully in a year or so when we're back together and forgetting every little nuance of the pain that this situation has caused us and hopefully watching President Joe Biden... <laughs> on the screen giving us some hope for the future um i'm not even gonna imagine a world where trump gets reelected. i can't even put that into the universe you know maybe you'll be thankful for the assholes who drive you nuts because even those dicks <laughs> give you the kind of inspiration you need to get what you need done 
right now, uh, I'm just going to also let you know that I'm going to probably be wrapping up Ladyish. Um, this time has really showed me how passionate I am about the political space and not even just politics as we know it governmentally. Governmentally, is that a word? <laughs> I'm doing good already. I'm really, really going to be breaking this uh, political podcast <laughs> sector here with all that I got. But not only do you need to like think about things in terms of civics, let's put it that way, but like everything in life is fucking political. And it's been a passion of mine for quite some time to do a political podcast, not just about, again, what's going on in the government, but also about how many different facets of our life are political, from family interactions, from career interactions, which I think could be firmly even more political because you're squarely in the middle of a situation that inherently is just politics, right? Who you know, how you can get things done, um, how you maneuver it, all that jazz. So I think there's a lot of translatable areas there. And um, I don't know, heading up to my 37th birthday, And thinking a lot about the future and how I've presented myself over the years. And it's been dope, you know, like uh, going from a point of view that was very much rooted in journalism from heavy metal to hip hop um, to talking about sex and relationships to exploring the lives of unconventional, to exploring the lives, (laughs) I can speak, to exploring the lives (laughs) of unconventional women to kind of seeing the evolution of podcasting, right? Like, because when I got off the radio on Sirius XM, and I'm just going to be candid about what happened. Oh my God, I've been waiting to tell the story. So I think that somebody out there who's listening to this shit will care. <laughs> when I got worried, I think it was like 2014, 2015. I can't even remember anymore because the years have passed. Um, from Sirius, after being on for like almost six years every single day, uh, you know, that we were ending, it was literally the day that we were ending. And that's something in media that people never talk about, right? Like, I literally was asked to come into Jose's office, who was my boss at the time. And he's like, yeah, you know, just want to talk about what's going on. It's like, hey, by the way, um, we decided to eliminate DJs altogether. And it's just going to be the people who are on staff DJing. So you're all gone. And your last show was like today. What? What the fuck? This is a place where literally I did not get one raise in the duration of six years. And I busted my ass, went in every day. Um, you know, when I was sick, I was doing my show because I really love the listeners and I love the experience. And it was so important for me to like, to, you know, just to make my show, to make it happen. And I was blown away. It was my first experience in media where it was like totally you do not matter when we tell you you do not matter. And one thing that's been incredible about the evolution of podcasting is the way you can democratize the process. Not only you know payment-wise, you can figure out how to get yourself paid. It's a little bit of an unconventional avenue of just like walking in, getting your cheap-ass check, and walking out. But there are so many more ways for you to make money if you really truly dedicate yourself. And to see the subject matters that people have hit the fame and the notoriety people have got off of these podcasts, it's just kind of incredible, right? Like, fuck you, conventional radio, and even satellite radio. Well, fuck you, too. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It did give me my opportunity. I'm grateful for it. But um, I got to say, 
sometimes when you're older, you look back at your opportunities as a youth and realize how A, underpaid you were, undervalued you were. And um, maybe I'm from a different generation, but we've just been trained to to think, well, you know, that gave me the opportunities I have today. And I'm not going to discount that for sure. But um, it's brutal out there. So when you're listening to your Sirius XM radio, know that if you're listening to a host on one of those secondary channels and not somebody who's on a primary, probably not making shit. <laughs> Here's to pay equity and making sure that people get what they want. Um, Amy Chan, jumping in with this one. Check me out at Lady Ishpod. Um, and I'll announce in the next few as I continue to wrap up the season what I'll be doing next. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. You're listening to the Ladyish Podcast. I have a new location tonight. I'm actually in a beautiful New York City apartment. Breaking out of Jersey, um, something that a lot of people have told me to do already, but uh, I did it. I did it and came back. <laughs> really privileged today to actually have a super pro um, guest on, a woman who has basically taken life by the balls um, <laughs> when situations were at their hardest. Um, Amy Chan. Hi. <laughs> Renew boot camp. Renew Breakup Renew Breakup Boot Camp. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Um, and she's built basically an entire franchise on it and many more things, which I'm definitely going to jump into you with. Um, so for somebody who doesn't know what the concept of the boot camp is, how did it come to life and what sparked you to begin it? Yeah. So, yeah, I never knew I, as a girl who struggled with love her whole life, that one day I would be a breakup expert. The guru. <laughs> And uh, we take a scientific and spiritual approach to healing and rewiring the heart. And how this came about was uh, seven years ago, I was in a relationship with someone. I was living in Vancouver and I thought this was the person I would marry. And um, I thought I had the dream life. We uh, Are you from Vancouver? Yeah, or? I'm a Canadian. You and us. Oh, what's... Seth Rogen is he from Vancouver? Yes, uh -huh, yes. Uh -huh. I just watched a a show that he was on actually, and he oh. brought us, this guy through Vancouver. Yeah, looks fun. Yay, Canada! <laughs> um, so yeah, I was in this relationship, living the, the, what I thought was a dream, which was back then. Um, you date, you get married, and you have children, and he ran his own business, so eventually I would be the one staying at home, and I would write on the side um, as a hobby. Oh, that is my dream. <laughs> the dream Just life. marry someone rich and pursue <laughs> my passion projects. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I thought I was on track, and then one day, uh, very abruptly, that relationship fell apart. And when that relationship fell apart, I, I fell apart. I had put so much of my identity in him and us and then the idea of our future together so sure. not only was I mourning the end of the relationship um I was also mourning the future that I didn't and wouldn't ever be able to experience mm. and um I didn't know what to do and I spiraled into depression I had very destructive thoughts um, of suicide and um, I tried everything to heal I tears in the subway tears yeah <laughs> tears, so many tears the ugly subway. girl cry um, yoga retreats therapy Reiki psychics like everything I tried and whatever I was doing, it wasn't really targeted to the type of pain I was going to. Like when I went to these yoga retreats, they were great. But, you know, for seven days, I would kind of be distracted. I would come home to my same apartment and, and my demons would just rush back in. Sure. And so, um, you know, eventually, and it took quite a bit of time, I was able to move through the pain and learn from my experience. Um, but I realized that there was nothing 
out there for a woman who's going through the same thing. And I was really fortunate. I had friends. I had a family. I had a support system. I had the means to pay for things like therapy. But what about those people who don't have those luxuries? Absolutely. What happens to them? And so I thought about this idea of creating a safe space in nature where we're all under one roof. Um, there's the, the nostalgia of almost like the sleepovers when you're a child <laughs> and you are in the hands of the experts, the best of the best. Um, and you're trying out different types of healing modalities. And the whole idea is that you leave different from how you came in. And then Renew Breakup Bootcamp was born. Wild. So, I mean, it, it seems just like a really awesome concept, obviously. Um, you know, and post that breakup and kind of getting all these things together, like what, you know, how did you start, right? I think a lot of people have, have a tough time, you know, when you have a huge idea and, um, you know, as we had, we were talking before we even started, like you had another career and you were already kind of in the mix of things there. How did you, how did you take those first steps to actually getting this together? And like, were you inspired by anybody else along the way who helped to kind of shape your idea of what these would look like? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, I had been a relationship columnist um, for quite some time. and Oh, me too. Yeah, I, because I explored like relationships <laughs> in one area I couldn't master. So I had been <laughs> writing about relationships, but everything I did was always on the side of my corporate gigs. I had dreams when I was young to be an entrepreneur, to be an author, all these things. But I just was in the the cog, you know. I and when I, the money's coming, it's hard. It is sure. hard, and that's what you're trained for in school, right? Be a good student, show up on time, do this, get the A's, and then that translates when you get your first job. And it's this mentality um, and the cycle you get into, which is like be the first to arrive, the latest to leave. You know, raise your hand for additional projects, and <laughs> like keep proving yourself, and eventually climb that ladder. And so and then you learn it's bullshit <laughs> totally and so I you know I had these aspirations to be an executive in marketing and um, I eventually hit that I hit I was a chief marketing officer in New York of a pretty big brand and I was like wait like what this, this is, is it this is it and so um, really like um, you know how did I start it, it took a lot of pushing because I was so scared um, I thought of Renew. I sat on the idea for over a year. I kept having every excuse to delay the launch of it. And um, I had a girlfriend of mine who was an entrepreneur and she really encouraged me. I remember the first time she held, um, she would hold these talks, these events where she would bring in different experts and we had talked about it. She's like, yeah, you should really do one. I'm like, oh yeah, that would be really cool. Never done a talk in my life. <laughs> The next day, she's like, here's the event um, page. We've already sold tickets. And my face is on there. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I was just talking to you. I was, I'm not ready. She's like, yeah, you are. We sold tickets. You're on. Throw you into the fire. Totally. And I did it. And I was like, oh, like, that wasn't bad. Like, oh, I actually like that. Yeah. And so it's almost like little step by step rewiring um, this kind of association you have with risk and fear and being like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Oh, my God, I can't do it. And once you do it and you're like, oh, it's not that bad, then that I think what's your appetite for the future? And you can make that next risk a little bit bigger. Sure. And so did you start with um, with doing the full blown event, like actually doing the like the sleepaway kind of event? 
or did you kind of do like mini workshop days? Like what was the method that you took to kind of like start walking up the, up the hill? Yeah. So I planned to launch my first retreat while I was working at my company. Um, and I told my CEO about what I was doing, but I positioned it. And at the time I believed like, this is just a side thing. It's not going to be big, another hobby of mine. And he was completely fine with it, my CEO. And so the same friend of mine, her name is Patty. Um, she's, uh, a psychologist and an entrepreneur and she's like, yeah, I'll do it with you the first retreat. And so I was like, okay, with her by my side, I felt comfortable. And you have an expert too. Yeah, totally. So I booked the spot. Um, you know, pay the down payment for the place, sold tickets, um, got the press to come. And then a couple weeks prior for, uh, some, some reasons she actually had to drop out <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't do this. No way. And I, I almost got like this rush of a relief of like, Oh, I, I'll just delay it. I'm not ready. And I'll cancel like, it. Yeah. She's like, you're doing it. She's like, I found you another psychologist. You're doing it. You're going to have to launch it. Like at some point it's, you're delaying the inevitable. And so I was like, oh, my God, I guess I'm doing it. And I did it. And to be honest, I was, <laughs> and it happened. Yeah, I was flying by the seat of my pants, but it was working. And by the end of the retreat, I remember this moment. Um, I was just like when the women left and they had such a positive experience, like I was crying. I was like, what just happened? But then I was like, this is just luck. And then I had enough confidence to launch my second retreat. I had all this press coverage from the first one. I didn't really have a choice at that point. Well, I there's had, nothing like it too. So right. that's, it's a really novel concept to be honest. Mm-hmm. So once I started, the momentum started going and I kind of didn't have a choice um, to revel in the fact that I felt like I was an imposter, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, okay, the, the media is like launching these stories. I'm getting all these increase. I just got to do another one. Yeah. So the, I did another one. The block one. is hot right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just increased like the attendees by like three more people. Um, and then that one worked and then the next one worked and each one I would increase the number of participants just by two or three. Um, and we're now at 20 participants and it's a um, groundswell. Yeah. Yeah. And so after a few times I, I, I was like, Oh, this is luck. It's this group of women and blah, blah. And then I realized I was like, this isn't luck. Like the same predictable results keep happening every single time. I'm like, I have something here. I have a program that works. And now my vision is to get that out to as many people as I possibly can. Wow. I mean, that must be like a great feeling, but it must be terrifying at first, right? Totally. It's so hard. I think what people don't, you know, everybody's conditioned, especially with social media these days to see the end product right? and not see the struggle that happens in between in order to make, you know, or make things happen. I was telling you before, like putting together this podcast has been like a extreme right. labor of love, like a second job altogether. Yeah. Um, so, so you got everything going, you're, you're finally getting this momentum and obviously you still have this day job. Um, you obviously, you made a huge transition by, by cutting the cord there. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that process? And like, if somebody wants to do something like that, what, what would your advice be in terms of like making a runway for yourself? Yeah. So when I made the decision to leave my, um, day job for good, um, I only had three months runway. I called my mom <laughs> And I that's asked a pretty her. good. That's a good amount yeah, of time in know. New York. That's respectable. <laughs> Go my mom. So, so you had about a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I asked my mom, I'm like, okay, if everything fails and I can't afterwards consult or make some money to keep afloat, like, um, 
may I like borrow some money? And if I can't do that, can I move back home to Vancouver and live with you? And she said yes. So for me, that was my safety net. I wouldn't die. I wouldn't be out on the streets. And I'm really lucky. Like that's a privilege that I would be able to go back to my mom's basement. Um, so I really realized like that's actually like a total privilege. Oh, yeah. Um, and it happens to a lot of people, by totally. the way. Yeah. And so I just had to think about that. If not now, then when? Were you okay with that sacrifice? Totally. Because I, my whole life, just kept saying the same excuse for every time I wanted to do and launch something was like, well, not now, later, later. There's always going to be another time. Um, and then how much more times was I going to do that? Yeah. I was on a really great concept. And so, um, yeah, I had three months rent. Um, not a lot. I knew though I had the skill set that if I had to consult on the side and charge an hourly rate, that would be an issue. Totally. So, um, you know, even though I didn't have a lot of money in the bank, I had skill sets and that's worth money. Yeah. I also have connections that's worth money. And you, there's always some business to drum up somewhere. <laughs> totally. And something changes when you don't have the, the security, um, of a, of a regular paycheck, you get into a different mindset about money. Um, for me, I started really like having a hustle mentality. Anything that I could do to bring in money, I would do it. I started doodling. I started selling my artwork. I started, um, you know, like consulting. I started doing everything I possibly could. And it wasn't out of this dread of like proving myself at the office. I actually had this new like energy like a hunger yeah. yeah it was like a fire in me because I was doing this tour to build something bigger um and it also shifted the way I saw money so when I worked in corporate um I used to you know spend away my uncomfortable feelings and my lack of fulfillment um I would just go and buy stuff all the time oh yeah you know and so I had all I know this, all like, about that <laughs> Vuitton and all this shit and like um, I just stopped looking at things like that as like, okay, $1,500 on this handbag or $1,500 on legal fees to buy trademarks. Like, no, I'm not doing it. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say it was easy. There was a lot of times where I felt shame. Like my friends would be like, hey, like it's my birthday dinner and let's, can you come? And I knew it'd be uh, a set dinner, a hundred dollars per head. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't do that. And in the beginning I would lie to people and be like, Oh, I'm sick. Oh, I'm not around. Oh, I'll just come by after. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I'm proud of this journey. I'm going to be upfront and honest with where I'm at. Hey, you know, I would love to come. I'm actually, it's not within my budget. I'm not prioritizing my budget that way. And so, um, I'll just come afterwards and like, you know, have a dessert with you and like, let people know because I think more people need to know about this kind of journey and it's nothing to be ashamed of. No, for sure. And that's so respectable. And that's a great point to bring up, especially like, you know, when you have an abundance of money, you're right. Like, you know, you're just kind of spending it to like fill the time and fill the space. But I think when you're thinking of things in like with a more like purpose driven mindset, um, it's easier to be frugal. It's easier to be straightforward because people, you know, if you're a real friend, or you're somebody I actually want to be investing my time in, mm -hmm. you will understand that my motivation is behind this yeah. and it's not about you. It's about this particular time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's actually a really good point. Like financially, that's something people don't really discuss, especially here in New York. Oh, totally. Like, it's yeah. like, 
you must make hundreds of millions of dollars in order to even like live like a normal human being here. Um, I want to also make a point. I think one part of this journey, which I'm still learning is reframing this relationship with money. And, um, you know, every dollar that I am spending on something that's non-essential, um, the, the designer bag, the, the fast fashion, that's a dollar I'm not investing into my business. Yeah. And so now, you know, I laugh, there was this $1,500 Balenciaga backpack I've really wanted. And every, I, a girl's got to have their right? thing. All right. And like, I've been, I, I had some successes and like, I'm not, you know, I've been bootstrapping my company this entire time and now financially things are, are going well. Um, and I was like, oh, I should just buy it. But I thought I'm like, no, like I'm still not there yet. So yeah. I bought a $36 pleather backpack from <laughs> Amazon. And you know what? I'm fucking so proud of it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I made the sacrifice and like five years down the road, this is going to be a very different picture. But like I will have earned that $1,500 backpack when it's time. Um, so I kind of like, I feel proud of these decisions that I'm making. And because I know it's not coming because I'm cheap. It's because I'm being strategic and mindful of about how your I'm money. budgeting. That's a, that's a great point. It's one of those things, actually, it took me forever, so I finally bought it. It's funny you bring up the handbag, because that is my my true weakness. <laughs> I finally bought myself, and it took me at least 10 years, yeah. like a really nice handbag mm -hmm. that I like nickel and dimed on Poshmark, too. Like, I found <laughs> it. I literally did the amount of research behind this fucking purse. It was oh incredible. But, um, you know, for me, it was one of those moments where, like, I had paid off all this debt and all these things, and, like, just from, you know, doing things in my career, it was my moment where I'm like this is the time where I'm finally, mm -hmm. I'm finally okay to do this. Yeah. And like, I pined over the bag for maybe three, three, four years yeah. and, and thought very, very quickly about it. I was like, you know, like if I, if I want to do it, I got to do it and pull the trigger and it feels good. It yeah. does. When you like give yourself that goal mm -hmm. and you have something in mind. Um, but that's a great point. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so like, in the mix of all these things, like you're creative, obviously you're a woman, you have feelings yes. <laughs> that are deep. Um, how are you, how are you balancing all these things together? And also being a businesswoman, because you have to be very discriminant with your time. Yeah. Um, and now like you're driven by your creativity, but it's also you're you're monetizing that product. Right. Yeah. So like you're in this very interesting push and pull between all the things that you're doing. How, how do you approach that and how do you kind of like manage your schedule in order to get all these things in and, you know, have some time to be free and creative too? Yeah. So I've gotten pretty good at focusing that on things that move the needle. So I really look at this is the vision I have. These are my priorities. And anything that I do on a business level has to fit within that. So any, you know, do you want to go for coffee and collaborate? Like any of that, if it's not feeding the, these certain pillars of what I'm trying to create, it's a hard no. Um, and I say no all the time. Well, thank you for saying yes to this <laughs> podcast. I'm like, we are privileged. <laughs> um, so, you know, a lot of like people who are asking me for copies, for advice, for all these things. And, you know, it's, it's lovely to be asked, but I just, for me, I have a goal of being one to many. I want to affect and impact 
hundreds, thousands, millions of people. And in order to do so, I need to be super protective of my time. God, that's a hard, and that's a really hard thing, especially when you get to a certain point in your career and people ask for advice. I'm always suckered by other women, especially women of color. They're like, can I come and speak to you? And it's like, then I I take the meeting and I'm like, I've been like, I've wasted my time really, you know, like, Nice to meet you, but sometimes, like, you know, like, you feel like you're kind of getting vampired mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, um, I mean, it's kind of like when you're donating, right? If you're going to da- donate a dollar to 100 charities or you're going to donate $100 to one charity, I think it's just, like, really taking a step back and having a mindful, strategic approach of how you are going to disperse that time and energy and headspace. And I do leave a part for just social good, right? I have a few people who are my mentees and I focus on them. Yeah. But I'm not going to give you 20 minutes here, or 30 minutes here, 100 minutes. Like That's just completely ineffective. It doesn't move the needle. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, as an entrepreneur, every dollar you spend on something non-essential is a dollar you're not investing in your business. Every hour you spend on something non-essential is something you're not investing into your business. Sure, it's another commodity. Completely. I feel like you have to be um, so conscious of that. And so, um, especially with what I do, if I, if I, my energy is depleted or exhausted or if there's some toxicity in a friendship or a relationship, there's a ripple effect in what happens to me because I impact so many people. Mm. So like that can be helpful for me at times because I'm not just thinking for myself anymore. I'm thinking for the business and I'm thinking for the people that are affected by my business. I have to do whatever I can to be very strong in my foundation and to have self care and self love. Um, and if people are taking away from that, it's a hard no. Mm. Damn. (laughs) Doesn't, I I mean, I think that's a hard thing, right. For people to, to approach. I mean, I battle with the same thing myself, like, um, cause I do in my core really enjoy helping people, but, um, I think that's a great point that you have to help many by helping yourself (laughs) to actually maintain your schedule. I get it. The guilt is a big thing, right? And like, um, you know, I think for me, I always remember this, like, you, your, your greatest responsibility is to keep your light bright. Yeah. And when your light is bright, you have the vessel that you can then share that light with other people. If your light is dim and you're allowing, um, these tasks, these people, these things to dim your light, you're useless to share your light with other people. Yeah. Your light's gone. Exactly. (laughs) It's literally gone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's a great point. Uh, you mentioned before actually that, you know, you kind of like broke out of the mold of what was this traditional life that you had set for yourself. Do you ever, do you ever revisit those thoughts or revisit like the thoughts of like what life will be in the next few years or like following that conventional path in some way, shape or form and feel any kind of pressure? Like I know that one thing that comes up very often, um, I don't, I don't know your age, but for a lady like myself and like in her thirties, deep in her thirties, um, you know, like, having a family, getting married or all things that keep keep falling onto my plate, yeah. whether or not I want to talk about them or not, which yeah. can be very frustrating. Um, do you ever feel yourself kind of like confronted with any of those things, even though you are in this very progressive world? Totally. I mean, I have a lot of girlfriends who married rich guys <laughs> and they're wearing couture to lunch and ordering caviar. Um, 
have I had thoughts of like, oh my God, like I wish I could just do that. And then I don't have to worry about payroll and, you know, taking a shared Uber. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> like I, I think about those things. Nothing goes to waste. Um, yeah. But then, then afterwards I snap back into the, my senses of like what works for me. And um, I really enjoy having an even power dynamic with my partner. Sure. And I feel that um, financially it's important for me to be able to be independent, to bring in my own resources and to build my own thing. Um, that might not be for everyone, but that is important for me. And it's something I had to try the traditional route to realize that's not what I want. Um, and then when it comes to like the path of children, all these things, I'm 37. I got my eggs frozen last year. I only had three eggs retrieved. Um, I experienced a moment of complete shame of like, does this mean I'm less of a woman? Because my friend who did it at the same time had 12. And, um, and it's it anyone's a, game in there. It's, yeah, it's the weirdest thing. And like now I'm like, I have to pay $1,000 a year to store these eggs. And I'm like, three measly eggs? Like, what am I doing? And so, yeah, there's there's moments of like, well, I'm on this path where there's so much momentum. And I, I like, it's just building and building. And if I were to have children, say right now, is that going to... Um, stop my ability to create impact my will it take away my ambition I, I there's all these things that I don't know um yeah do I have the answers I have no idea but I do know enough about my life story so far is that um you can't ever plan or control these things mm. and um I feel that every um plot twist has been critical to the story that I'm creating. And so if the day comes, I want children and I can't, maybe I'll adopt. Maybe I'll devote my life and my love into um, helping women. I, I don't know. Um, all I know is what I have and think today. And um, I'm going to continue doing this thing with the hope of, of having children one day. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't. If it does, great. Hey, at least you went the route of actually getting them frozen. Yeah. <laughs> I just turned 36 and I'm like, that's exactly uh, <laughs> something I need to consider this year or get knocked up. Um, no, and that's a good, you know, it's a good point. It really is. It's a struggle, you know, being a music executive, juggling this. And I think about these things and I'm like, you know, I have more work to do, too. And like it, it is kind of a um, it is kind of the monkey on our back as women mm -hmm. that like. There, it is really, truly hard to have it all. And yeah. I, I remember asking like a very powerful woman in the industry, like, you know, how do you do it? How do you manage? She had two kids right. and she's like running a company and she's like, look at this. You can have it all. You just can't sleep <laughs> <laughs> and you just can't, you know, stop working. And it mm. like it hit me. It's like I think when you're young, you think you get to this spot. And then you're like, oh, well, it's going to be, it's all going to be set and everything's going to be great. You know, like I'm right. going to get sleep and I'm going to do all these things. And then you realize, no, you have to fucking work for everything along the way, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Um. So this year coming up seems like it's going to be a big one. 2020 is going to be big for a number of reasons, yeah. but you have some author um, 
author love coming up. So do you want to tell us about like the book that you're working Mm -hmm. on? So I have a book um, being published by HarperCollins uh, coming out in May 2020. It's called Breakup Bootcamp, The Science to Rewiring Your Heart. Um, Strong branding. Yeah. Uh, I'm also launching a second bootcamp concept called Renew Power Play, uh, a bootcamp to channel your inner dominatrix. And that's I love that. Really focused on the psychology of power dynamics um, and tapping into sensuality and sexuality. Um, Why that? That's a very in- that's an interesting um, facet, obviously, of like sexual health and yeah. just sexual identity. And what what sparked your interest in covering that area? Yeah. So at Renew right now, uh, we bring in a professional dominatrix who has a PhD from Berkeley, and she teaches a session specifically on the psychology of power dynamics. It is the most popular session. Uh, we don't let the women know what's going to happen at Renew. They just experiencing all the sessions without knowing oh crazy and by the end they're completely blown away and i've noticed that what's really common with the women who come to renew is they're generally very successful and powerful in all other aspects of life so their usual thing is i'm killing it in my career but for some reason in relationships so when they like someone or when they're emotionally invested in someone that's when they start to lose their power and we Mm. really try to get to the bottom of why and so given the popularity of that session and what comes out when we talk about sex and shame um and desire um all these things we decided that the second boot camp would be focused solely on this incredible I think it's an area that not you know and I know that concept like I've seen so many you know powerful women around me not be able to like really open themselves up to people in a real way Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's a problem that I've experienced through a lot of therapy Mm. um, a lot of self-exploration and just really you know dissecting what about myself I could let go a little Mm -hmm. bit I've, I've been able to let go of it but it is a thing especially as a powerful woman that you need to connect yeah. psychologically, right? Yeah. Like, and uh, how that affects you sexually is really important too. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of, um, at least I could say for myself, climbing the corporate ladder in male-dominated industries, I associated power with being more like a man. Yeah, and so I adopted these habits of being very um, aggressive. Um, taking, um, you know, some thing, some thing, like characteristics that are usually more um, associated with like male characteristics. Testosterone driven. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it wasn't me. And so um, what I have had to do is relearn how to embrace my feminine energy mm. and um, soft power. And power is actually being able to open up your heart and be vulnerable and know that you're so strong in your foundation that you'll be okay no matter what happens. Totally. That's powerful. Power is not faking it and pretending you're something that you're not and overcompensating and being super loud uh, and being super aggressive. That's not real power. It's earned. Totally. And like... I think that there's a misunderstanding of what power is. And so this is part of what we go through and in the second boot camp power play is just um, shifting our perspectives of what is power? What does it mean? Uh, what is empowerment? Um, so it's the fun, juicy stuff. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, you bring up just the power of sexuality and, and that portion of it. And because you have been doing this for a while, um, have you noticed that like amongst many of these women that like 
sex in general plays a very heavy hand on their relationship um, on how, how well they gauge their relationships. Because I feel like a lot of, you know, I'll hear a lot of like back and forth about like sex is not the most important part of a relationship. And then other people are like, it's very important. And in my personal view, I think it is a mix of both, but I do believe that it's very important because it is a way that you with another person, whether your partner's a woman or whether your partner's a man, like yeah. it's a way that you physically connect and mentally connect if you're doing it right. 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 Um, what role do you feel that like in, in just your, your learnings, your key learnings through this time, like that sex actually does play in relationships? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a one size fits all. And I think it also depends on your stage of life and what you're looking for. Um, so I know like your early twenties, sex is probably super, super important. Yeah. After your second divorce and three kids later in your sixties, it may not take as much as a priority than someone who is a really great partner and makes you laugh. Can, yeah. yeah. And can go on walks with you. Right. So I, I think people need to be cognizant of their dating and mating strategies, depending on where they're at in their life. Mm. Um, and you know, there's, just because you have great sex with someone doesn't mean that they're going to be a great partner for you. Yeah. And some people don't know the differentiation of that. And that's really important to understand. Um, with chemistry, um, just to give you guys a little bit of a relationship, um, FYI, um, if you don't have a strong model of what love looks and feels like growing up, um, and say you had a household where it was chaotic or you had to earn your parents' affection and love, um, you are going to actually seek out similar emotional experiences that wound you in the same way. Absolutely. So you will seek partners and feel chemistry in this polarity with partners who can wound you that way. And so that might have a very great sexual charge, but that's because because it's it's the rewounding it's a familiarity and humans like what's familiar mm. and so your sexual chemistry is not the best gauge so if you have a history of unhealthy relationships and you keep getting drawn to these people who are unhealthy for you it's probably a good indicator that your chemistry compass is what i call it is um is broken. <laughs> I mean, that's great. That's an amazing point. Yeah. I mean, people, people keep reliving the past, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I've been to many psychologists in my life and they're always like, you know, don't, you don't want to date your father again, you know, like, and you think about those things and those patterns, those yeah. particular behaviors, they do, they re-slice you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's wild how people just keep doing it over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say is one of the best ways for people to, to cut the shit <laughs> when they're like defending their behaviors or I'm sure you're just running into a lot of different people who like are afraid to make that change? What's one of the best ways that you can kind of just dig in there and get get it going are you talking about leaving a relationship or starting a business yeah uh in a relationship okay yeah yeah um and when you say cut the shit to like leave a toxic relationship either to leave a toxic relationship or stop making excuses for themselves because um, i think that a lot of times they kind of intertwine if that makes sense mm -hmm. like between either you know just ha they, you're attracted to the wrong things mm -hmm. um so you keep perpetually going back to that that kind of behavior like what's one way that you can just kind of like cut free of that and move forward yeah I mean a lot of that comes from the reason why we 
choose partners who are unhealthy for us and stay in them, um, it's because of a, a wound. And that wound and belief system is very deep in your subconscious. And it's usually developed by the age of seven years old before our prefrontal cortex was developed enough to understand what was going on. That's when we create belief systems such as I'm not worthy of love, I have to earn love, things like that. And so I think you know, you can easily just cut it with this one person. Um, but if you don't address the underlying belief system and wound that's in your subconscious, it's the same emotional experience is just going to reappear with a different person. Mm. So it's packaged up a different way, right? If your emotional experience is you're always un in an uneven power dynamic where you're clamoring for commitment, uh, you can cut it with this person who won't commit to you. And guess what? A couple months later, you'll probably find the same thing happening. Same result. Yeah. And so definition I, of madness. <laughs> yeah. And I think the very first thing is take stock of your patterns. Like honestly, like, do a Excel spreadsheet if you need to. Take a look at the last relationships that you had and what was the emotional experience. Um, were you clamoring for their love? Were you trying to earn their love? Like, were your needs being met? And really get very clear in the reality of what was happening. Look at the facts, not your interpretation. Because mm. that's another thing that most of the women who come to Renew, every single woman who comes to Renew, we tell them to tell their story. In the beginning, that story is absolutely filled with fantasies and projections and assumptions um and then when we tell them to just skim that story to five points in the facts it's a completely different story oh totally so we're not living in reality the constructs are different totally so i think you need to assess your last relationships stick to the facts of what happened um and look for the patterns once you look at the patterns then you could start to understand like what is the belief system that's going on so if you're constantly overgiving the root belief system is likely um i'm not enough mm -hmm. i'm not enough so i have to keep doing this and this and this to earn someone's love right um and then i think seek professional help go to breakup boot camp go to hypnotherapy do ayahuasca do <laughs> something do anything to start breaking your patterns and it's not going to be one thing mm -hmm. you need to approach it not only on a cognitive level but on a somatic level um on a physical level, on a spiritual level, like they're all interconnected. Um, and you, so that's part of why with, he, with Renew, there's so many different healing modalities. We're targeting the heart, mind, soul, spirit, because you can't just do one thing and ignore the rest. Definitely. It has to be a holistic approach for yeah. sure. What's the one thing that motivates you when you wake up every single day? Um, wow. I just, I'm excited about what's, what I'm going to create. Um, usually like what words are going to come onto paper. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the, you are a true writer. <laughs> um, well, great. Where can people find you? Yeah. So you can check out, uh, renewbreakupbootcamp.com. I also have a blog called justmytype.ca. Uh, and that's Canada. Canada. <laughs> that's all in psychology of relationships. Um, and on Instagram, you can follow me at Miss Amy Chan. And you will find her throughout the internet that way. <laughs> well, great. I thank you so much. Really excited to check out, obviously, the second edition of the boot camp. Thank you. And see what the next year holds for you. Thanks so much. <laughs>